Motherhood is hard. Motherhood's relentless. Motherhood is tough. But I hadn't quite realised that it shouldn't be quite that tough. It's not only different, it's like the polar opposite of how you imagine you're going to be as a parent. He went off for a run and I was at crisis point. I almost ended my life at that point in time. Therapy has been the real key to unlocking my mental wellness. I started to feel little moments of joy. I started to feel like I could cope a little bit more. We have just such a special, lovely, wonderful bond. She's absolutely fine. She's a pleasure to be around. Hi, welcome to the You, Me and PND podcast with me, Rian Hall. Today, I am joined by the wonderful Joe Love. Joe is an ex-lawyer who is now an award-winning mental health advocate, and she uses her platform to campaign and spread the word that it is okay not to be okay. Joe has a particular focus on perinatal mental health after suffering from postnatal depression, maternal OCD, and post-traumatic stress disorder when she became a mum five years ago. In our chat, Joe gives some great insights into how she handled her experiences of perinatal illness and she also gives some really compassionate advice about how you can support yourself in your journey through postnatal depression. I think you'll find so much hope in this episode because Jo was in a really really dark place five years ago and she has the most beautiful relationship with her daughter now and she is doing so so well. Her life is is totally different. She really is thriving after postnatal depression and I think she's a great example to anyone out there struggling that you really can get through this period. You can come through the other side and with support you will recover from your postnatal depression and not only will you recover, you might become an even stronger person for it and you might thrive more than you ever have after your PND. So enjoy this and take hope that things will improve for you. Hi Joe, welcome to the You Meet and PND podcast. Thank you so so much for coming to chat to us. No, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. So Joe, do you want to tell us a little bit about your story? Of postnatal depression? Yeah, sure. I'll try and keep it brief. The whole thing was a bit of a shock. I'm pretty sure I had undiagnosed prenatal depression. I look back on my time pregnant and there was absolutely no joy or excitement or anything other than complete fear, trepidation, shock. I was a lawyer. My career was kind of taking off. We'd wanted to have children at some point, but it just hadn't really factored as a thing. So it was a real shock. Um, I also didn't find out I, was, out I was pregnant for quite a while. And then she came, she burst into the world very early, very unexpectedly, quite traumatically. So the, my pregnancy was actually a very short little window. And I don't think it was enough time for me to process. And then, yeah, the birth was pretty traumatic. And there's definitely some PTSD around that. And I also have PTSD focused on my postnatal depression. So who knew that you could get PTSD from PNDs? So I actually didn't get diagnosed with postnatal depression till my little girl was relative, I think it was about, she was about eight 
or nine months old. But I just assumed this is what motherhood was like. I assumed that everyone else was just kind of coping with it a little bit better than me. And motherhood is hard. Motherhood's relentless. Motherhood is tough. But I hadn't quite realized that it shouldn't be quite that tough. What kinds of experiences were you going through? What sort of symptoms were you experiencing? So I'll start with her. So she she wasn't a sleeper and she was a bit of a crier. She had silent reflux. I'm a type A personality. I apply, try and apply logic and reason to things and a baby, you can't do that. And I've come from a pretty successful career again. I thought this would be a holiday, a baby holiday. Totally, totally blindsided by the whole thing. And I felt like I had failed. I was just failing as a mother. I didn't understand. I was so confused. I couldn't apply logic. I and all of my coping mechanisms as well. My life as I knew it had gone. I lost my identity. And I just felt this unrelenting, I was so tired, complete exhaustion. There was no moments of recharge. This relentless overriding duty to serve this little thing and anything that I could do to recharge, I wouldn't do because I felt it was so counter to that maternal instinct to feed and look after and focus on I did motherhood to 110% which is what I basically had spent my whole life doing everything to 110% but it does not work and it was this cloak of complete lack of joy you hear people describing like the black dog or the black fog um it was like that there was just like layers and layers of gray there was no color on anything it was just this heavy oppressive relentless gloom is what it felt like for me mm, and when do you think that set in or started to set in for you it is really hard to know when that started I think I was just in so much shock on the, in the early days there was shock and fear and worry she she was born very very tiny very early she had jaundice she had there was a few complications with her so it was always I was always felt like I was always fighting fire and then at somewhere that flipped from that to just a relentless never quite catching up with myself it sounds quite similar to my experience in that it sounds like you felt like you were always a few steps behind you know you didn't know you were pregnant for a while then you had your baby early and then when you don't have a baby that's completely healthy and sometimes that you end up with a baby who's got jaundice or you know they've they've got silent reflux or whatever it might be it feels like there's just one thing after the other and for me anyway it felt like I was just in this constant tailspin of what next what next what next and then by the time I'd managed to get on top of one thing and then it's like now this has gone wrong now this is going wrong now this is going wrong for me it felt like I'm just jinxed with this like I can't do anything right and it's not supposed to be this difficult and I'm the one causing all of this did you have any similar kind of feelings I nodded I know this podcast but I nodded vigorously through that absolutely you described it to a T it was like fighting fire constantly but internalizing all of the blame like there was no perspective of just this is how some babies are and you know it it was just this is my fault I just felt like why am I trying harder than everybody else but doing so much worse that was how I felt like I said I did motherhood to 110 percent and it broke me (laughs) 
So tell me what happened. You were really struggling in the initial days. Your baby wasn't sleeping, you weren't sleeping, reflux, all these things happening. Did you get help? Were you getting support at that time? I didn't want to hold my hands up, didn't want to ask for help. I don't think I consciously thought I wasn't coping. It was just really, really, really hard. And there was just this feeling of gloom and oppression and relentlessness. I thought something was wrong with my marriage. I started to point the finger and I was like, it's all him. It's, it's like such a projection. By the time I actually got help, I was having compulsive thoughts. I was having intrusive thoughts. I was clearly very depressed. I was at the point of suicide. And I still didn't quite know that I was ill. I really, really didn't. And we were rowing and it was unusual, hence me thinking about the marriage and there was a one point where he wanted to go for a run and it was a Saturday and I completely I don't have the words to describe how much I lost it I completely lost it and looking back I can see why but I would pin all my hopes on the weekend to have some sort of reprieve it'd be like okay I've got to cope with the week I've just got to get on with it that's my job and at the weekend I'll get some semblance of myself back or I'll have some time to recharge. But of course I never did it, not because of my husband, but because I just continued on this relentless, I must look after this child, I must do all this. And taking any time for myself felt really, really selfish and counter to the maternal bones in me. Um, so he wanted to go for a run and I flipped out. I mean, it was going to be a half an hour run or whatever on a Saturday. And I was like, this is my time. And he was like, uh, I should be able to go for a run. I was at crisis point at that point. I almost ended my life at that point in time. And it, it really shocked me because on one level, I didn't want to leave anyone behind, but I genuinely felt that that I wasn't coping I was the obstacle and everybody else would it would just be so much easier for them if I wasn't there but then I knew that I shouldn't be feeling this intensely about him going for a run so I didn't I didn't end up taking action at that point in time but it really shocked me into getting support and during the next following week I was going off to a baby sensory class, wheeling the buggy down the road. And I used to have to walk past our doctor's surgery. And our doctor's surgery is always closed. It's got like the most bizarre open opening hours known to man. But it was open. The door was open. It was like this sign from, I don't know, whatever, whatever you believe in. It was there. It was like shining out at me. It was raining. I remember it so clearly. And like the light coming from in was almost like a bit spiritual. And it, I was not going into the doctors. I was going to baby sensory. And I just diverted the wheels. In I went, said I need to talk to a doctor, sat in the doctor's waiting room. She's screaming, obviously she's screaming. And I went in and I basically, I remember the first thing I said was, I know motherhood is hard, but should it be this hard? Mm. And she did the now what I know to be the Edinburgh test. And obviously get to the, have you ever thought about ending your life? And I was like, yes. And yeah, at that point, then there's all the support mechanisms kicked into place. But even at that point in time, I still didn't really feel it. It's very surreal, isn't it? And also, I think if you were like me, I was numb in any event. And then you have this surrealism of, oh, I didn't think I was going to end up having, you know, mental health crisis after I have a baby. And also there's a part of you that doesn't want that to be the case. You don't want to have that diagnosis because that's painful. That, that really hurts. Yeah, I totally agree. And some people, there's a comfort in diagnosis. And I'm not sure I totally felt that. I think 
yes, there is with hindsight that that was then when everything clicked in and I did start to get help and support and, and everything started at that point to become more positive. But yeah, it, it, it felt like a double failure. It felt like a double whammy of like, I knew in my mind, wrongly, but I knew in my mind that I was failing at motherhood, like that was happening. And then suddenly, oh yeah, and your mind's failing as well. It's so, so hard, isn't it? And yeah, there is that stigma around postnatal depression but also it's the expectation that you've imagined you've imagined that you're going to be a certain way with a child and when it is it's not only different it's like the polar opposite of how you imagine you're going to be as a parent you just kind of think I don't know any any I don't have a point of reference anymore I don't have a north star I just don't know anything anymore so Joe, tell us what support you got. What helped you? Medication helped. There's been points where I have had mental health intervention before now, and I've really, really always pushed against medication. And at that point in time, when I had the diagnosis of postnatal depression, I didn't fight it. I was like, I need it. I know it. I, I, I just need it. And it worked. It worked really quickly. I felt normal. And motherhood was still hard, but I didn't, I, you know, I had start, I started to feel little moments of joy. I started to feel like I could cope a little bit more. And therefore I, the number for the CBT referral just sat there for a really long time because I thought I'm okay. What on earth would I go talk to anyone about? Like, I'm absolutely all right. I don't want to use NHS resources. There's people worse off than me. I'm better off feeling all of those and that guilt and that feeling. Yeah, medication is just a sticking plaster. And I realized that through a number of, for a number of reasons. And at that point, I thought I need to dig a bit deeper. I wasn't brave enough to go to any of the support groups. I wish I had because it sounds from your experience and from experiences that I've subsequently had that they're really brilliant, brilliant things to do. Um, but I was just drenched in shame. I really was. So CBT didn't really work for me, I have to say. It's not to bash CBT because I do think that there's a lot of tools in CBT that can really help with mental wellness, but it felt like this was the wrong time for me to be doing this kind of work. And really what it was that helped was time. I know that's really annoying, but time. So my little girl's just turned five. I do think physiologically, like in my bones, I don't think I felt fully better until this year but I would say for me therapy has been amazing so when she was about a year and a half I think I started to really get into talk therapy I found this incredible humanistic person-centered integrative counselor who was a lifesaver I mean it literally saved my life she very very slowly helped me unpick it all. I mean, there's so many reasons why postnatal depression can happen to people. I found that my PND wasn't actually really about my PND. My whole life I've been juggling plates. I've been juggling my mental illness. I've been hiding parts of myself. Everything's kept up in the air. The appearance of being quote unquote normal, but not really underneath it all. And when it came to motherhood, all those spinning plates came crashing down. All the balls got dropped on the floor. And it was the PND almost felt like the the crash of everything that had come before. So what my therapist, what an incredible therapist did was it wasn't just about the PND, it was everything. And it's also linked and how we were parented and how we want to parent. And 
loads of inner child work and really therapy has been the real key to unlocking my mental wellness rather than my mental illness. Did your therapist have special postnatal kind of experience or was it more generic? No, she was a more generic generalist. She actually had quite a lot of um, background in bereavement care and she worked in a hospice for a long time looking after not just the the patients but their families. What I hadn't realised is that I, I lost my dad when I was 23 and a lot of the work that we actually did was about unpacking that and she was just the most perfect person for that and how that can have all sorts of repercussions if you've got like underlying grief that you've not processed. Yeah, I think when you have a baby, even if you don't have postnatal depression, a lot of unprocessed trauma, a lot of unprocessed issues recur and you're thinking about things like how do I want a parent and what kind of parenting did I have and how do I want to be with my child, which always is going to bring up stuff to do with your own family and I think having a grief counsellor even though it sounds counterintuitive I think there's a huge parallel between having a child especially when you have PND and the grief cycle because you lose your identity in many ways you lose your sense of self in some ways you lose your expectations and your dreams maybe of how you've built something up to be and then you go through what, well, I certainly went through kind of the denial and the anger and the bargaining and then the acceptance. I did go through those stages and it was like a loss when I had a child. It is a loss, even though it's, you gain something, but there are a lot of losses. And I, that's really very sort of neatly ties in with parenting or people in COVID at the moment. So I think there's so much loss and grief around at the moment, but particularly parenting or people going through postnatal depression at this point in time as well it, because I think that there's more factors now that might lead to that for example and it's and it, and it links to that loss because the loss of the expectation that you had you may have thought that you'd have your partner with you during birth and I know that sometimes that's possible sometimes it's not possible um these things sound silly but they have so much weight and importance but things like you know you might have really wanted to have that baby photographer come around to your house and have the really have the lovely bundled picture of the baby and you don't get that you know your pregnancy might have been very different your experiences with midwives your experiences in the hospital you know afterwards not being able to um share your baby with your family how you'd want to being very very isolated and very very alone and i think there's a whole series of losses around that that can and do and will have a really big impact i think that's so true and you you've done some lovely stuff on your instagram account to do with practical ways that you can support mums who've got pnd or feeling isolated during covid do you want to share a couple of the, the ideas from that i wanted to focus on new mums i wanted to give and there's a really lovely tile and i'll share it with you and you can link it in the show notes but it's all of the resources that are still available now in COVID that are still working because a lot of times people say go to the community group or you know go and go and access these these services that are now not happening but there are still loads of things that are happening and I thought it's really important to share what there is and also and I think it's equally important some really practical things that we can do to support mums new mums in our in our own lives things like offering to babysit once you can you know promises keeping in contact sharing positivity letting them rant not offering solutions no one wants to have solutions just giving them the space and things like that so I've, I've done a little a very 
practical visual guide um, because I think it can feel really overwhelming. And I will, we have talked about suicide, so I will say this statistic here, but you know, this, the maternal suicide rates are so shockingly high that you're more likely to die with a, as a mum of an under one-year-old than any other cause of death. And that's been consistently the same for many, many years now. And it's really, really shocking. It is preventative. And I do worry about the impact of COVID on that statistic. Um, and I think if more people knew just how vulnerable new mums are, if more people knew and were aware of that suicide statistic, I think we would just have that little bit more consideration and care around the people in our life asking, not just asking, are you okay? And getting a fine, you know, asking twice, asking three times, keep checking back in with them. I feel that that is not the answer because it's, it's far more nuanced, nuanced than that. But I think an awareness around that vulnerability is really, really important. I agree completely. If anyone is listening and feeling that they are having thoughts of harming themselves or harming their child, um, we want to stress to go to A&E. You can go to A&E even during COVID if you need to. You can call your out-of-hours doctor. Um, you can call your GP. You can call your midwife. You can just turn up and self-refer at A&E if you're in a mental health crisis so please don't don't be thinking that you're going to be in trouble or someone is going to take your child away the services out there are there to support you yeah i think that's a really important point and the crisis lines as well i had to ring them a couple of times and they are brilliant and wonderful and not scary and you haven't failed if you ring them you haven't at all so you've got you've got um, the Samaritans, you've got Association of Postnatal Illness, the APNI, oh, the Pandas Helpline as well. The Pandas Helpline is really, really good. Something that is a really good crisis resource is um, a service called Hub of Hope, and it's run by a cat charity called Chasing Stigma. It works on location services, so it knows where you are. It has completely national coverage of what's available in your area from groups to uh, crisis services, and it is utterly 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 brilliant it's run by my friend jake disclaimer but it is absolutely brilliant joe i wanted to um, ask you about how you are doing with your daughter now and how you were when you were ill but before i get to that i found something that you'd written online which was really really wonderful and it gave some practical tips or advice to mums who are going through PND and I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of this so you said you haven't failed do whatever you can to stay well speak to your GP and get help also know that sometimes me time meditation exercise just isn't enough don't be ashamed if you need to go on medication banish the guilt good old mum guilt gets to everyone at times but don't let it linger remember being a good enough mum is good enough and you definitely are that and you're not alone. One thing I've learned more than anything else is this is so prevalent, whether people have suffered pre or postnatal depression, anxiety, anger, or whether their condition has been officially diagnosed or they've suffered in silence. There's an army of women out there who've walked in your shoes and have got your back. So start sharing. And as you do, you will see you're not alone and the support is out there. And I think that the six most important words in anyone's mental health journey are me too and you are not alone because that says it all for me and I think that advice is brilliant so thank you so much Joe. Joe, can you tell us how how things are with you now how things are with your daughter and how how things were if you if you look back to times when you had PND so that the listener can understand the picture then the picture now 
Yeah, I'll start with how things were. Like I really, I really struggled, and and it's, it feels shameful and hard still to say, but you know, I really did struggle to bond with her. I think it is the norm for the vast majority of people that they don't have this lightning bolt moment where they suddenly fall in love with their baby. And, and I, that was certainly my experience. She was, it was hard. She was hard. There were, there were, times were hard. It just took a really, really long time. And then the guilt, you know, the guilt of feeling like I've let her down, that our bond will always be forever broken and I will forever be a terrible mum and I will forever feel like I can't cope with motherhood and that I made the biggest mistake ever. There was always love there, but it was like a dutiful love. It wasn't uh, the, the the love that I now experience. So moving on to what I now feel like, oh, it's just my heart, my little heart bursts with pride when I see her and her smile and her giggles and all of those things. I didn't ever had a moment where that clicked in, but it just, I think it was that my, my journey of recovery has been this slow, slow, slow. And incrementally, yeah, I think once she started to communicate, that was a big turning point of me feeling like, that connection that really really did help our connection and we are so connected we're so bonded so anyone who sat there worrying about that connection being fundamentally broken forever and you've scarred your child honestly it's it's mummy and only mummy and she only wants me and my poor husband just doesn't even get a look in we have just such a special lovely wonderful bond she's absolutely fine she's emotionally very in tune and she's she's yeah she's a pleasure to be around and I should say it that hasn't I have struggled with that because I had PTSD from my PND and one of my triggers was being alone with her it was it became a completely separate illness it became PTSD and every now and again I'll have a little flash of oh I have to be with her for eight hours or particularly in lockdown like this is this the thought because she's at school and she's not at the moment and the thought but when we knew schools were closing of right you've got potentially till September to be alone was a bit scary and it didn't feel comfortable because that should I should be coping it's the shoulds isn't it always the should but I've done a lot of work I've done a lot of therapy on this and ultimately there's a few things that I can say to myself that really help. Um, Joe, can you tell us very briefly what happened with you in terms of your PTSD after having your postnatal depression? It was my therapist who diagnosed it and said, I think that you have PTSD. And I have experience through my husband of PTSD, not that he had it, but he, he worked in the army. And so I knew quite a lot about it, but I couldn't understand what, she, what on earth she was talking about. So I was finding that I was being triggered quite often when I was alone with my child and I was having increasing panic attacks, anxiety attacks. And it wasn't just at the point where I would be alone with her. So if my husband went upstairs to the loo and spent too long on his game, you know how they do, I would start to have a panic attack and all these overwhelming feelings of like, I can't cope. I don't know what I'm doing. And they weren't, I, I, there wasn't conscious that I was having this, but she started to see a pattern. And it was also to, you know, to the point where I would do ev- almost anything and everything to avoid being completely alone with her. So if my husband traveled with his work and his business, so I would orchestrate it that my mum would always come down. There would never be any stretch of time that I would be quote unquote alone with her. She, my mum would be there, you know, just before my husband had left and then 
just after my husband came back. So there'd always be this continuity of having somebody else around. Do you know what was beneath that worry of being on your own with your daughter? I hardly knew that I was doing it, really. It was my therapist who was like, I think you're doing this. Well, you are doing this. And I think it's your subconscious trying to protect yourself against having postnatal depression again, because you had your postnatal depression when you were alone with, with her for long, long stretches of time, for a whole year, for you know most of the days in the week. So it makes sense when you see it like that. And also she had to, yeah, and she also had to really break down what trauma is and how PTSD is about triggering trauma. Now I thought I had a few different misconceptions about this. One, I thought the trauma needed to be life-threatening. So I found it very difficult to understand. I mean, it was PND. Yeah, I was suicidal, but like it's not the same as going to war, right? It's not the same as some life-threatening car crash or it just didn't feel like the same. I found it really uncomfortable to put the two together. Um, And also what a flashback or what a trigger was. Because again, it's so misportrayed, I think, in the media of you see a soldier, for example, and suddenly they're back in the action and there's guns going off all over the place and flashes and bangs. And actually, my my therapist said most flashbacks are not like that. They're really subconscious and you're not reliving it. It's just something clicks in, but it has a reaction. You have a reaction to it. She gave me this analogy and she said, you know, if somebody was on a bus and they got mugged and it was on the top deck of a bus. Now, if they started to have a panic attack or have some sort of reaction, would you think that they were wrong for that. I'm like, no, you can completely see it. And she was like, so you had something traumatic happen to you and you're having a reaction to it. We need to fix that. So we used EMDR. I mean, it was really tough. It's probably the hardest thing I've done. Um, And if people are interested, I've done a longer IGTV video about exactly what it is. And I've written a couple of articles as well, but it really works. It's hard, but it works. Jo, you've been so wonderful today. And I know the listener obviously can't see you but when you were talking about your daughter you just light up so much and you're so happy and it is really really beautiful to hear that hope to hear how you were in such a dark place and you had lots of lots of horrible things happening to you you had pnd ptsd and to see you now so so happy with your daughter so well but also the stuff that you do for other people the work you do on mental health and awareness and campaigning it's so precious and we're so grateful so thank you so much joe and thank you for coming on this today no my absolute pleasure and right back at you thank you so much for doing this and creating this and it's going to help so many people thank you joe